Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Whenever people hear the gospel presented, there is always a choice to be made. Facts are given about the need and about God's remedy. Information is given concerning the person and life of Christ and why he is worthy of your trust. Evidence is given upon which to base our decision. But in the end, the choice comes down to the individual, you and me. No one else can answer for us. In our message today, Evangelist Mr. David Hurley High presents the gospel through the truth of John chapter 3 and verse 36, and here it is. He that believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. He goes on to give evidences upon which we can base our trust. First of all, to those who are not yet saved, that is, they have not yet placed their faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And secondly, to those who are already saved and who would love to hear more of the wonderful gospel message. Now let us turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Now I suppose this is maybe one of the greatest gospel chapters in our Bible. Though, when it comes to gospel verses, I must say I'm a little bit partial to Romans 5 and 6. John 3 has got some pretty good verses in it as well, full of gospel truth. Now look just at the first of the chapter, just to pick up a few things here and there. Verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus was a little confused. He thought he meant physical birth, and the Lord Jesus discerned between the two. He said, no, there are physical things and there are spiritual things, and I'm talking about the spiritual things. So quite clearly, he made that discernment, and he said, don't be surprised. In verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Look down at verse number Nine, Nicodemus still does not understand how can these things be. The Lord Jesus said, are you a master of Israel? Verse 10, and you don't know these things? And come down again to verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now over to the final verse of the same chapter, verse 36, John chapter 3. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth. On him. 
Now just come with me to the closing chapter of the book of the Acts. Acts 28 and verse number 23. The gospel was being preached and it was making inroads across the known world at that time. And the apostle Paul now has been imprisoned and here he is perhaps in the closing years of his life. Verse number 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. That's what the Lord Jesus had been telling Nicodemus about, how you could be in the kingdom of God. So here Paul is still preaching the same thing. So he testified, he expounded and testified. That means to tell the truth concerning the kingdom of God. And then he says, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. Now, this meeting will only last about an hour, but this meeting that we are reading about lasted from morning till evening. Apostle Paul persuaded them, became very passionate. He persuaded them. He sought to convince them. And this is the result, verse number 24. This is what I was wanting to point out to you. You don't have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's your choice. So what does verse 24 say? After a full day of persuasion, convincing, and some believed the things that were spoken, and some believed not. It's a solemn thing. That was just reaching me just the last few minutes as I was just thinking about this And some believed the things that were spoken, and some believed not. It will be the same tonight. When we leave the meeting, there will be some that certainly have believed this when they come in, and they will leave still believing. And there are others that did not come in believing on the Son, and they will leave still not believing on the Son. But what about you? If you came into the meeting not believing on the Son, not resting your all for eternity on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've got a choice to make. In the next 45 minutes or so, faced with the truth from God, from the Scripture itself, with some of the words of the Lord Jesus, some of the words of John the Baptist, and some of the words of the Apostle Paul, all joining together the words of Scripture coming to you tonight into this meeting. Now testified again to you by two men. We trust with the Spirit of God. What will you do with Jesus? Why is it important what you do with the Lord Jesus? I mean, after all, you might well say that if he even existed, it was 2,000 years ago or so that he lived. Well, you've got a definite problem if if it is if. But considering the calendar is even divided by it and historians support the existence of such a one and the resurrection itself is powerful proof that not only did he live and he die, but he is in heaven tonight. Because try as they might, those early people who did not believe in the resurrection, they could not squelch. They could not squelch the preaching of a Jesus that died and rose from the dead again. They couldn't stop it. Do you know why they couldn't stop it? Because there was too many eyewitnesses that saw it. And suppose I said that I saw this massive balloon, a hot air balloon, and it came floating over the city and it landed in somebody's yard. And out of that balloon there jumped out four men in suits. You'd say, well, that's a very strange story. And you would kind of say, well, you know, that's not typical. I don't think that really would have taken place. But suppose Mr. Goff had been with me and Mrs. Goff, they were traveling, I was traveling with them tonight, and suppose they were there and they said, no, no, he's, he's right, I saw it too. And you would think, well, three people, well, they could have been in cahoots. They could have been kind of making sure their stories agreed together. But suppose there was someone and you knew that they were not a friend of mine. They were actually an enemy. And they would do anything they could do to undermine me. Suppose now some of them came along and they said, uh, yeah, yeah, did you see I was from another angle and I saw that balloon coming down? You'd start to think, well, 
maybe, maybe it did take place. But imagine if there was a crowd now of 500 people all gathered around and CBC started interviewing these people and 500 people all said they saw the balloon coming down. It would become rather convincing evidence, wouldn't it? You see, it's easy for us to say the resurrection never took place and that Jesus Christ never lived. But it was very difficult for those that were alive in that day, though they did not want to believe it, it was very difficult to stop the eyewitness accounts of so many who saw it. Some of them didn't want to believe it. Some of them actually did not believe it until they saw him, and they were absolutely convinced against their own better judgment. They were convinced that Jesus Christ is alive. So tonight, I just want to put it in perspective. He that believeth on the Son. Do you know one reason you could put your trust in him tonight? Because he came from heaven, and while he was here, he proved who he was by doing wondrous things, miracles. He died on a cross. Intelligently, he proved that he knew why he was dying. The moment of his death was even an act of mighty power. Because as others looked on, they saw three men that were, you know, God is so careful. He saw to it that there were two others that died, ordinary men that died on the same hill at the same event where Jesus was crucified, they died too. But here were these other men. And because the next day was a special day, the Jews did not want those bodies hanging there on the, on the next special day, so they wanted to hasten the death. Now, oftentimes when they died by crucifixion, they would keep themselves alive by lifting themselves up on the nails or on the ropes that bound them. But when eventually they became too weak, they would actually suffocate. So in order to hasten the death on this occasion, they were going to break the legs. So they came to the first, and they broke his legs to hasten his death. And they went to the other side, and they broke his legs to hasten his death. And then they came to Jesus. And the scripture is clear, already dead. Do you know why he was already dead? Because he alone had the power to discern the moment of his death. And what he had suffered was sufficient to put away the sins of a world. All the sins that we'd, all the judgment that we deserve was compressed by God and given to him. And he suffered during that tremendous time when it was darkness in the middle of the day, darkness for three hours, clothed the scene so that the eye could not penetrate. And it was in those hours and even all of the time where that were necessary to put away our sins. But after that was accomplished, it says, that he yielded up the ghost. He dismissed his spirit. You see, death had no claim upon him, but he dismissed it. it actually, the thought of it is he sent it as a servant. He sent his spirit to death so that just before he died, Mark records, he says, that the cry that, he, that came into his lips wasn't a weak cry of a dying man dribbling from his lips. Mark says it was a loud, triumphant cry. It was the cry of a mighty victor. It was a cry of a battle warrior when the victory had been won, of a man that had finished the task that he had been sent to do, and it had loomed before him so awesome and so great, and now he's got it finished, and he just lifts his hands heavenward. He says, finished, mighty power. And it was following that moments later that a centurion looked and he marveled. Hey, this was not a man that it was his first crucifixion. This was a man who had taken his four soldiers, his quaternion, out to that place and crucified other men. He knew how men died when it came to crucifixion. They knew it would drag on for hours. 
And the centurion marveled, and Pilate marveled, because here was this one, absolutely different. And he had given a loud cry, showing that he had strength left. He had lung power. He had power left in his body. And now they look suddenly, and he's dead. It's because he dismissed his spirit. It was an act of power. And yet, on the third day, the one that had foretold that he would be crucified and that the third day he would be raised again, they went to a tomb that had been sealed with soldiers guarding it, with a mighty stone that had been rolled down into that slot that could not be rolled back. And as those came on that first day of the week, they saw a stone rolled away and angels that told and testified that he's not here, he's risen. Go in and look. And they saw grave clothes, and they had been wrapped about his body, and he had come out of them undisturbed. And then he had carefully to prove that he was alive. He had not been hastily stolen away in the night. He had passed through those grave clothes, and carefully he had taken the napkin that was about his head, and he had taken it, and he had folded it about it, and set it in a place by itself to show the character and the order. As he left that too, passed through the stones by mighty power, and appeared unto those his 12, some of the women, 500 at once, so that this is a well-attested fact that the early historians of our Bible tell us and the eyewitnesses told it over and over again with such convincing fashion that as they went to preach the gospel into the world, such was the passion of their message, so convinced were they, such was the language with which they described it, such were the numbers of them that saw it and told of it, that they literally turned the world upside down, the civilized world of the day, with their preaching of a resurrected Jesus. So the people that did not believe in the Lord Jesus, they thought he was an imposter. They thought he was just someone who said he was the Son of God. Suddenly, people that were not convinced were convinced, and they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now tonight, I don't know what you will do with the evidence of Scripture. Like I say, it's easy for men and women today to turn and say, it never happened. But if you had been alive in that day, it would have been a different story. So convincing that those religious leaders, they actually were willing to pay people to lie about it at the risk of their own lives because soldiers were not to sleep in the job. And they said, we will pay you to tell a lie, to say that the disciples came and stole him away in the night while you were sleeping. They weren't supposed to be sleeping. That was guilty of death. They said, don't worry, if news comes to the governor, we'll secure your life. Why did they have to pay them if it was just the truth anyway? You see, the whole thing was just a massive cover-up. But God has allowed the truth of the gospel to remain so that tonight there is a message to present to you. And this is why I am emphasizing this. Because where we read in John chapter 3, verse 36, says that this is the most important decision you will ever make in life. There is no decision that will affect you so much either in this life or the next. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And in these simple words, he that believeth and he that believeth not, we see a simple turn that is required. Because you did not always believe. You may have been taught from your earliest, but there is not such a thing that you have always believed. There must come a moment when you accept the truth of the knowledge that comes from God of a message concerning Jesus and you rest upon him. You turn from unbelief. You turn from your sin. And you now trust on the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else for salvation. Ever had a moment like that? As you sit in this meeting tonight, 
What is your belief system for eternity? What do you believe about what comes after death? Are you believing nothing? That's solemn. You're going out to a meet a God who can't help but be angry with you because of your sin and your rejection of him. When he has blazed it everywhere that he exists in creation. When just mere logic would ascertain without mistake that there is a God in heaven, an intelligent designer who made everything and who will therefore hold you accountable when you meet him. So tonight, there are two popular belief systems that it really doesn't matter what you do with the Lord Jesus, but the Bible says it does. And there is a turn you must make in life. And where you will be in eternity and whether it is in blessing and a place of blessing or whether it is under the punishment for your sins, in eternal doom under the wrath of God for your sins, all hangs on this one simple decision. The one that believes on the Son will be free, will have life, will be happy forever. And the one who believes not, they'll never be happy again. They'll never have a moment's rest. But they'll be under the wrath of God forever. Have you made the turn? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? A turn that is represented, but a trust that must be placed. Have you ever just simply relied on him? Because you see, all that took place when the Lord Jesus died is not without purpose. God says in the Bible, he began telling about it in the very beginning of our Bible, and he finishes telling it at the end, that the whole reason the Lord Jesus Christ came and died was so that we could have life, so that we could have forgiveness from our sins. I mean, that's the only reason that you would ever be barred from heaven. You will not be barred from heaven because God does not love you. He does love you. That is proven in our Bibles. He sent him into the world. Paul takes up this truth and he says, what if some do not believe? Will that make the faith of God or the faith in God of no effect? Does that mean if the whole world rose up and turned against God and says, God, we do not believe you and we don't believe your son. Lock, stock, and barrel. Would that cause God even to blink for a minute? And suppose there was just one person who was willing to stand against the world and say, I believe in the Son. I believe that God sent His Son into the world to die for me. I believe He suffered at Calvary because God punished Him for my sins. Would all the people of the world who turned their eyes and decided against God, would that sway a God who promised to provide salvation to the one that believed in the Son? Would he do all that just for one? He still would. He still would. That's what Paul says in, in Romans chapter 3 at the beginning. He says, what if some do not believe? It's their loss. It will not make the faith of God of none effect. And he just comes off with this statement and he says this. When faced with a God who says that Christ died for sinners, when faced with a God who says we are sinners deserving of the wrath of God forever, when faced with a God who says there is salvation, forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, he's got one simple statement. Let God be true and every man a liar. If every person turned against God, God would still be right. God would still be just. God would still provide salvation because he has promised it and he has paid for it through his son. So that tonight we have this in good authority. He or she that believeth in the son simply trusting on the Lord Jesus Christ for everything when it comes to this life and the next.
the wrath of God that is looming before us, and the blessings of God that are there to gain eternal life. It hangs on whether you trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. Regardless of your background, regardless of your belief system, regardless of what you have been taught, tonight we have it from the Bible that across the world, across all tribes, it cuts across all classes and ages. He or she that believes on the Son, they've got everlasting life simply because they took God at His word and rested where God says to rest. Trust that must be placed. Couldn't you just trust them? I mean, after all, if someone said they would pay off your mortgage, if you've got one, suppose you had a 50-year mortgage. You can actually get 50-year mortgages now. Amazing. But supposing you had a 50-year mortgage and someone said, huh, I'll pay it. And you had a good authority. Would you say, oh, no, there's something in me that just has to pay for it myself. I, I, I have to do it. You wouldn't take it. I think you would. And yet when it comes to reaching God's heaven, you can come by the done plan, the paid for plan, or you can try and work your way there and God says it'll never work. You could ignore it at all like a child who plays hide and seek and simply covers his face and says, if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And you can face it that way. It's your choice. But it flies in the face of what God says, that the one who believes in the Son is everlasting life. And the one who does not believe in the Son, they disobey what God says and they never place their trust in Christ. They'll never see life. But presently, as they sit in a gospel meeting, as they go about their work, as they do their hobbies, as they sin and enjoy the pleasures of sin, presently the wrath of God abideth on him. It's amazing. The biggest decision you will ever make, and I can almost see it in the eyes of some of you, you're not going to make it tonight, you think. You're already planning to turn away from it. You're already planning to reject what the Scripture says and leave as you came, having not put your trust in the Son. Trust that must be placed. A time element is present. Believeth hath presently. You can have it tonight. And a terror that is warned of. The wrath of God. Now and forever. What will you do with Christ? The one that believes in the Son is ever lasting life. There it is, turning and trusting. Are you willing to accept and believe the gospel today? What will you do with the evidences God gives in his word? Evidences from creation, conscience, logic, proofs of the resurrection. Will you decide to continue on in your own way and ignore God's provision for your soul? Will you take the foolhardy choice of losing your soul forever? Consider it well. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and the very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, 
or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.